This week on the podcast, we have Donnie Till, a friend of myself and the whole barbecue community. He's been cooking since the 90s. He has so much real-life experience, you can just hear it through this whole conversation. Welcome to the Butcher Barbecue Podcast, world headquarters, Wellston, Oklahoma. The Butcher Turn Pitmaster, your host, David Bosca. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Butcher Barbecue Podcast. We have a longtime friend of mine, and I mean a real good friend. He has many accolades to his name, like the last one to cross a stage at the American Royal, the last one to cross a stage at the Jack Daniels, and he is an Oklahoma Barbecue Hall of Famer. Everybody, I'd like to welcome Donnie Till. Say hello, Donnie. How are you? Hey, we're good. Tell everybody right now where you're at. Sperry, Oklahoma, sitting in the house watching TV and talking to David. <laughs> well, that's as easy as it gets. <laughs> What's on TV, bud? Uh, have gun, will travel. Western. Ah, uh, cowboy man. Yep. Which, which episode? Which episode is it? Uh, I didn't even looked at the remote. I don't know. It's black okay. and white, so it's old. <laughs> <laughs> so it was probably back when you was a teenager. Oh, no, I think it was before my time. I think color was in when I was born. <laughs> Barely. Uh, your team name is Buffalo Barbecue. Tell everyone the history and the heritage of what Buffalo Barbecue is. When did you get started? I actually started cooking contests in 96. Uh, the name come from when I worked in the oil field, and all the guys called me Buffalo. And so when we got started, we were trying to figure out a team name, and Cindy said, let's just call it Buffalo's Barbecue. So that's just kind of what it's been ever since. You've been cooking 24 years. Yeah. For that, did you go to contest, or did you just walk in, see one, and say, I think I can cook? No, we kind of went to a couple and walked around, kind of seeing what you needed what you didn't need and you know just kind of look at the layout of the land and kind of started ordering stuff in tents which back then it was more of a pipe tent than an easy up stuff like that and just you know kind of walked around and checked things out that way the first one you went to you didn't look like you was as a bad as a greenhorn but you still were so you didn't have the flowery tourist shirt on yeah pretty much just shorts t-shirt things ain't changed much and the whole time i've been cooking <laughs> no you still got cindy there by your side and and all that so well how did you get into cooking what made you think of going to your first contest well at the time mike mcmillan which owned at the time owned max barbecue and sky he uh he was going all the time and he lived up the road from us so i got to visiting with him and vicky about well, how do you find out about these contests and so on and so forth? And they said, well, if you remember the Kansas City Barbecue Society, you can they'll send a little paper out called the Bullsheet, and it tells you where the contests are and so on and so forth. So we become members of KCBS and just kind of went from there and, and got started. And, you know, it was kind of through them that we found out about KCBS, you know, kind of word of mouth because back then the Internet wouldn't like it is now so everything was kind of word of mouth because i'd never heard of barbecue contest until i met them so okay do you remember who the first kcbs reps were at your first contest mm. i'm just curious not off the top of my head 
Okay. I was just curious. I didn't know if we would still know him. Do you remember no, you know, anything but, about that first contest? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember a lot. The first KCBS contest, anyway. Okay. A few others before then that weren't sanctioned, though, that were just around Tulsa. We actually cooked one in 95, but our first KCBS was in 96. first KCBS we went to was Lincoln, Arkansas. We showed up at 8 o'clock, which back then, that's when all the cooks' meetings were. And so we showed up, and I jumped out of the truck and walked into a cooks' meeting, and I was just fixing to start, so I was the last one to walk in, and everybody just kind of looks at you, and you kind of look at them and like, <laughs> what I get myself into? At the time, I cooked on a homemade cooker, and it was an offset. So we come out of the cook's meeting and got the meat inspected. Whitney and Cindy went to a little motel, and I stayed out there. And we I didn't know nothing about seasoning your meat, so I started my cooker and then seasoned my meat. I didn't know you could season your meat the night before. So and I told Cindy we whipped in, and you know we seen people like Johnny Trigg was there and Jerry King and. Ray Lampy was there, Don Sharon Will, Tima used to cook old meatheads, beer bait and barbecue, which is Gary and Tess Crane from Perkins, and Bart and Rusty, which is double C then. And you start seeing all these people, and you're going, you know, I've seen the bullshit, and I'm going, oh my God, I just don't want to come in last. You know, and there's like <laughs> 34, 35 teams there, and we did well. I mean, we didn't hear our name called, but we come in right in the middle of the pack. First time out, didn't know Kamir from Sikkim and Tess and the lady from the Meatheads. I can't remember her name after all these years, but the last name were Greens. They taught Cindy how to do boxing, you know, because we didn't know. And so Cindy learned how to do boxes from Tess and the Green lady from the Meatheads. And after that, is was hooked. Kept on after that. Did a lot of trial and error. I ate a lot of mistakes because back in there wasn't a lot of classes you know to go to and there was, like i said there was no internet so you lived and learned and brung a lot of bourbon and set up late at night tried to feed them <laughs> older cooks a few drinks and hopefully their lips would get loose and you could weed out the bs and what you think was not being true you might want to try it that's how you learn <laughs> uh, that's exactly right when i got started cooking i, I it was 2007 there was you, Bart Clark, Paul Shoddy, um, were the guys that I absolutely looked up to. When you got started in 95, 96, was there anyone in your eyes that you looked up to like that, that was cooking around you? Oh, yeah. There was there was a bunch. I mean, but as far as in-state, it was Paul and Bart, Danny Head, Joe Davidson, Gary and Tess, the Indians. I forgot about them. A guy named Norm, his, his actual team name, boy, back then was Smoking Oakey. Which is not the same smoking oaky everybody knows of the other two. So I mean, it's Norm was smoking oaky before the other two ever thought about cooking. So see, I, all I don't think I know I, him. All them, his his sister used to run the Pawnee contest years ago. Norm's sister, she was the head of the chamber at Pawnee. Yeah, people like that, you know, they kind of helped a little bit. Terry Davis with the Indian barbecue, he was, me and him come pretty good friends, and he'd tell you a little bit here and there. He didn't talk a whole lot. Kind of had to pry it out of him. I can't imagine but, talking to somebody like that, right? Yeah. yeah. Bart, he, he was always, him and Rusty, they they were always tarped up. Brett and him be outside waiting on visitors. That'd be the deterrent while them guys would keep on working, and they didn't let much out of that camp back then. They were pretty tight-lipped. But, All right. 
you cooked as Buffalo's Barbecue. You and Bart, you just mentioned, teamed up. Yep. Tell us a little bit about that venture. Well, I approached Bart. I don't even remember what year it was. I'm going to say 04, 03, or 04. There's a lot of places I'd want to go, but for a guy who has to work Monday through Friday, and I wanted to go to some different parts of the country, which is hard to do by yourself and get over there and get back and where you can go to work Monday morning. I asked Bart, I said, hey, you want to team up and not cook anything anywhere close to home? I mean, our first trip together was Lynchburg, Virginia. I told him, I said, this thing pay like a slot machine if we can go over there and hit a lick. I said, if we don't hit a lick, it's going to be a long drive over there and a longer drive home. But I said, I uh, figured two of us would cook two categories, or, you know, one of us cooked two categories, the other one cooked the other two. I said, whatever we do, I said, one guy needs to cook the big meats and the other guy needs to cook the little meats. And that way, when we get out of there, since we both got to work on Monday, the guy cooking the little meats could drive, or uh, the guy cooked the big meats could take a nap or you get back across the country. So that's kind of what we did. At the time, I was rolling good on chicken and ribs. Bart was always, everybody that's been around Bart used to know he was a pork cooking machine and he always did well on brisket. So he cooked the big meats and I cooked the little meats and we'd split the cost and everything and off we went. Always had a good time. uh, A lot of people that know us back in was all our trips revolved around Hooters restaurants. All our (laughs) hotels were right next to Hooters and we ate at Hooters. We were regular customers and at any Hooters that we could find. So. <laughs> you like the wings, right? Yes, the wings are always good. I mean, we, we've gotten some pretty good deals at Hooters about uh, uh, Bart. always He got the Hooters magazine, so he knew a lot of the names from the upper echelon of Hooters. And we was in a Hooters restaurant in St. Louis one night, and uh, the service wasn't real good. So Bart started dropping names, and... Next thing you know, we had about every girl in the restaurant waiting on us, and the manager, and I went in the bathroom, come back out, and kind of dropped that the bathroom was kind of dirty, and next thing you know, the bathrooms were clean, and <laughs> and uh, we was treated like kings after that, and Bart kind of told them we was from headquarters out of Florida, and kept dropping <laughs> names, and I mean, we went from no service to everybody waiting on us hand and foot. We said, well, that today, even though that was funny. So, what was your team name? Boys from Tornado Alley. I come up with a name. As everybody knows, we live in Tornado Alley in Oklahoma. We didn't want to cook as Buffaloes or Twin Oak because we didn't want people thinking that we were padding points for each other for Team of the Year. So we just used a completely different name. That way, the points wouldn't go to either one of them other teams. All right. I also remember you did a stint up towards Colorado with it. Yes. Yeah. We we went to Colorado several times, and we won the Rocky Mountain Cup, I think, in 04 or 05, somewhere in there, which was the high point deal for all the Colorado contests. So you actually cooked, teamed up, and as your own teams for a few years. Yep. I want to say 04 to about 09, somewhere in there, I would guess. I don't think I realized you was cooking as boys from Tornado Alley when I was cooking. Yeah. I thought it was all prior uh, to. No, because 08, me and Cindy was reserved grand at the American Roll, the Invitational, and that was under Buffaloes. And then me and Bart cooked the open as boys from Tornado Alley, I know, in 08. And I want to say we did a whole more year after that, but I'm I'm not positive, but I'm quite sure we did. Because we won the side dishes. The reason I say that, I want to say we won the side dishes eight out of nine years six in a row yeah i remember the dude that always talked about it up there who presented the awards the guy. yes 
Yes. He was always asking the first place winner, what'd you cook? What'd you cook? Everybody. And I remember Donnie Till won potatoes. You walk up and anybody that's been to the Royal knows it takes a couple minutes to get through the crowd, to get up to the stage. He hands you your ribbons. They take pictures and he sticks a mic in your face and says, uh, what did you cook? And you just kind of sat back on your heels and said, starch. Yep. <laughs> we cracked up and no one around us got the joke. We had to explain. I was like, guys, that is Donnie. <laughs> yeah, we were pretty, um, we was on a run there and everybody's wanting to know what we were doing. And we was one of them. We didn't let a whole lot out of the bag. You know, my feelings were then that you let it out and then you're going to have to compete against it every year and if we got something that's working we didn't want to see if somebody could cook it better than what we were cooking it so we kept everything pretty close to our heart yeah your guys was really good on the side dishes proves to me that you're more than just a barbecue cook where did this come from was it mom did you go to a school what what possessed you to learn different things to cook? My grandma, both my grandmas were good cooks. My mom was a really good cook. A lot of, I learned a lot from both of them. And my mom, a lot of us trial and error over the years, too. You know, trying stuff at home and seeing if you like it. Them three women were the big influence in me as far as the cooking went. How many different competition smokers do you have you had? As far as contest, I've, I've only had three. Well, four. What were they? Drum. I had a homemade offset, and I cooked on it for, I don't know, three or four years, something like that at the most. And Mike McMillan with Max had a 24-inch two-door Oklahoma Joe offset, and I bought that from him. And I got with Joe Davidson to, and gave him the number off of it, and he told me that that was one of the very first cookers that, when Joe moved from Perry to Stillwater, that cooker was one of the very first ones to come out of the Stillwater plant. And back then, they had convection tubes in them. Well, I didn't like that convection tube deal at all. So I jerked a convection tube out of it and just had a hole where the tube used to be. And uh, I'd run that thing like that. You know, back then, I'd cook a whole briskets, which they wasn't big ones. I mean, they were 10 to 12 pounds. You know, I'd cook them in two hours, 58 minutes from start to finish and Don and Sharon Will with Smokers Wild had, had they had the same type cooker except they had one of the prototype 24 inch two doors that they'd got from smoking in the boys room and Don and Sharon had cooked their brisket 18 hours you know we was in Parsons Kansas one year and they said second place brisket Smokers Wild with a 180 and first place brisket was me with a 180 so it just goes to show you it's not either way is not the perfect way or the right way but they both work. Them cooking an 18-hour brisket and me cooking a brisket less than three hours, and we both had perfect scores. And, then I w and the very next weekend, we go to Joplin, Missouri, and it happens again the exact same way. And so, you know, everybody goes, well, is this the right way? Or it's whatever fits for what you're doing. And as long as you get to the end of the result, it's all the same. I mean, as long as the food's good, it's going to score well. Yeah. So what are you cooking on now? You've named two. I went I I did a cooking class, and a guy in the class asked, I, let me back up here. I had the Joe, and it was just red and black, just like a typical Oklahoma Joe. So I called Jamie Gear. I said, Jamie, I've been saving my money. I want to buy Jambo. Well, Jamie had went from, from making cookers to fishing, and anybody knows Jamie, back then he jumped around a lot. He said, I ain't making no more cookers. I'm I'm fishing. He's cooking fishing, fishing tournaments at Lake Fork, and he's got a place at Lake Fork, and, and 
I said, well, if you're not making a cooker, I've always wanted one. He was always on me about having one of his pits. And uh, he said, I ain't going to make no more. And I said, okay. So I took my pit to Roger Davidson, which owned Horizon, which is Joe's brother, and had it refurbished. And then Joe or uh, Roger had a sandblast. I went and picked the trailer up. And we got it all painted up. and was a candy mandarin paint. And I had defenders dipped, and they were chromed, and... I spent all my money to getting it done. No sooner get it done, and it was like five or six months later, Jamie calls on I'm going to build you a pit. And I said, well, sure, I ain't got no money now. I just spent it all. <laughs> so I just kept cooking on it. Always wanted a jambo. I just loved it. Never had the money. And I did a cooking class, and the guy in the class asked me if my pit was for sale. I thought, shit, anything I got for sale. So I showed him a price. And I thought, because I really didn't want to sell it, because I was on a roll at the time, and I was doing very well. Your speaker messed up again. I was, I was doing very yeah, well. there you go. And uh, he, so I shot a price. I thought he'd run back. And the next words out of his mouth was, who do I make the check to? Oh. Crap. What am I going to do now? I said, well, I still got two contests that I've already paid entries for. I need, can I use it for the last two contests for the year? And he said, yeah, go ahead. So I used the last two contests, and I was lucky enough, the last two that I went to, I won grand with it. So I come home on a Saturday evening and cleaned it out and uh, got everything out of my storage boxes and went to the car wash, cleaned it up, and took it over to his house. I told him, I said, you know, this thing's got a couple more grand champions under its belt. I might have to have an extra thousand or two. (laughs) Well, his wife commenced cussing me like a sailor. (laughs) Called me every unknown name in the book and he's trying to tell his wife that honey he's just joking and i'm trying to tell her the same thing and she ain't taking a breath to even listen <laughs> and we finally got her calmed down and she was mad at us for letting her go that far so we're trying to tell you but, but anyway i end up selling the pit called jamie and got a jambo and that joe when i got rid of it had a whole between 180 and 200,000 miles on it golly dragging it all over the country. We, uh, you know, I packed the wheel bearings back then. I'd pack them three times a year because I was going so much. But I drug it all over the country and did well with that Joe. But then I got the Jambo, and I really love the Jambo. It's both good cookers. Jambo's just a lot less work. That's what I was going to ask you is, what's the real difference in the two of them? Oh, uh, the retention of heat, the consistency. I mean, uh, that and fuel consumption i mean it just makes a huge difference for that joe if it really started raining boy you'd have to be on your toes to, to keep a firebox from cooling down you gotta be pouring a lot of wood to it a lot of cold keep her going keep the temp up in the rainstorms did well with the joe i always cooked good in the rain bart always cooked good in the rain and i don't know if it was just the cooker deal or the way we had things set up on the inside made the difference but it always worked well so do you or did you ever name your cookers give them a name uh not really i mean a lot of them i just call betsy because that's just the name that goes with it but you know i, I really didn't have a lot of names for them other than cindy don't, or bitney on, did they ever name on them? My pit. <laughs> no not really oh uh, yeah don't sit on your pit don't set anything yeah. on your pit i tell a lot of people i've had people around sperry and stuff ask for your pit i said you'd be better off to ask my wife out on a date than ask for my pit <laughs> <laughs> that's just not cool <laughs> <laughs>
How many cookers do you own right now? Uh, counting everything, the old hickory at the store and all that, I, I would say around 17. Count, I mean, most of them are grills, charcoalers, and cans. I guess few got a couple cans that Jeff Spurgeon made from KC Can Crew, and I'm guessing they're probably, you remember the Arc City contest, right? Yep. I want to say it was at the first or second Arc City contest that I got them, so it's been several years ago. And then neither There's one not of much them telling are, what those are painted like either. They're painted like an old woody boat, and it says, oh. don't get a woody looking at my can. <laughs> And uh, neither one of them's ever had a fire in them. They're still sitting. I won't. I won't put a fire in them because the painting. Jeff did a great job painting them. They look pretty cool. And I just I ain't never lit a fire in either one of them. I brung Mo Case on, brung them to Arc City for me from Jeff, and and uh, I got them from Mo and hauled them home. Brung blankets, put around them where they wouldn't get scratched. Put them up, and they ain't been out since. I ain't seen daylight since. So. Wow, that's cool. Okay. You've cooked since 96. The KCBS Team of the Year points has changed over the years in the way that they do it. I think it's been three times. I'm not real sure. Which one of the methods worked best for you in the way you wanted to present your food and got points? Oh, to me, they all got flaws. I mean... When I started, it was single doubles and triples, depending on how many teams were there or how many points you got. You know, and the problem with that was at the end of the year, everybody was umpteen million way tie, so you really didn't have a way to break the tiebreaker. And then the one year they had the big tie, after the, I think it was after they changed the rules when Davis and them won it, and they went to back to reserves or whatever to use for a tiebreaker. I mean, I don't think that, there's still not a perfect system, but this the 35 deal, I can see why they do it. In a way, I liked it better when it had to get up to 50 bonus points instead of 35. But if you live in that part of the country where you never get the 50-team deal, you know, to get the 50 bonus points, I could see where that could be a hindrance, too, where, you know, if you lived in Kansas City, you know, it's not that hard to get 50 teams every weekend. So, you know, I remember years in the single doubles and triples, you know, nothing against with Richard and Lynn, but, you know, they lived in Kansas City, and, and them guys were great cooks. They'd come down here and win, too, but when you didn't have to travel very far to, to cook a 50 every weekend, and then you're down here, I know years Bart hits that down here and trying to catch Richard and Lynn, and we hardly ever had 50 teams in Oklahoma back then. Hard barbecue was one. And ever and I don't think Grove ever got there, but it was close a couple of times. But you know that put Bart and us running to Kansas City at, towards the end of the year, cooking like Shawnee and some of them there. And at the end of the year after the roll or right before the roll to, to try to get our a grand with fifty to get some more points to try to catch Richard and Lynn. And Bart got it done a couple of times, but I never could get it done. Huh? I think I was second one year, I was third one year, and just wasn't meant to be. I tried, and I killed myself doing it, told myself I'd never do it again. Yeah. That's a lot, that's a lot of work, it's a lot of dedication, and a hell of a lot of money. And, and oh, a lot of way that. Back, way back then, it wasn't near the money it is now, but it's still, I mean, money's money, and it still took a lot to go, and entry fees were cheaper, and you wasn't buying the high-dollar meat, yada, 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 but still figured days of vacation being burned or taken off without pay to go or whatever. You start adding all that together, it all adds up. Yep. I know you also spent some time on the KCBS Board of Directors. Yes. 
the the time, the the years, the how can I say, uh, road time. You've got experience that people call and talk to you about. Hey, what do you think of this? How would this work like this? Have you ever thought about getting back on the board? No. No, so that was quick. Was quick. Yeah. <laughs> I did my time. I enjoyed it. Uh, I was on the board from 2000 to 2004. We did a lot of things. We did some things that, you know, you can't please everybody. I don't care what you do. Uh, you know, it's it's a job that a lot of people don't understand until they get on there. I mean, it's, there's a lot more to it than what people think. And, but it was a good time. I mean, met a lot of people. and You've seen the other side of the of it too and you know as far as trying to run a business like that back then and you know without the sponsorships that they have you know or had now and then and you know it was it was a different deal and i, I enjoyed it and i enjoyed the people on it and it's just i've done it i can say i've done it i don't know if i want to do it again <laughs> <laughs> i get it well now you own a barbecue stand right there in sperry oklahoma what did you do before you own the stand uh electrician wired houses we did, didn't do much commercial work uh mainly residential all new homes some remodels uh pretty much it kind of run a finishing crew where we'd come in at the end and hang fixtures and switches and recepts and do apply hookup appliances and air conditioners all the stuff right at the end for the people started moving in on your menu before you actually opened you you'd already traveled the country for 20 years I know you've ate at barbecue places other than the barbecue sold at Hooters. Did you pick and choose items from their menus and go, hey, if I ever did this, I'm going to keep this in mind? How did you come up with some of the things you got? My menu at the store is pretty much traditional barbecue. It don't have a lot of fluff. Uh, I don't. I mean, it's it's brisket, chopped brisket, pulled pork, turkey, and then ribs, and then little meats like bologna, hot links, and polish. My sides are just traditional sides, beans, coleslaw, potato salad, and that's it. I mean, I don't have a lot of, I don't do a lot of different things just because being in a trailer and having a single door refrigerator limits me on really what I can do and only enough tabletop room for two steam tables, which are full. So, I mean, I just keep it simple. A lot of people I talk to said, don't start something you don't want to do every day. And and then he's talking about the menu because people are a creature of habit. And once they get something, they expect it every day. Uh, I do do prime rib on Wednesdays. That's the only thing I added. And the only reason I added it was Wednesdays was a very slow day for me. So I did that to try to increase business on Wednesdays. And it worked, and I've done it ever since. And, I mean, I got a I got a big sandwich I call Sink the Ship. Come up with a name because the high school's mascot is a pirate. So I thought a ship. So I called it Sink the Ship because it weighs about a pound. Golly, yeah. It has chopped brisket, uh, hot link, bologna, and pork all on a bun. I put it in a three-pound tub. You know, I sell it for nine bucks with tax. Well, my whole idea behind that was have a big sandwich at a cheap cost because I used to work in the oil field years ago and that was the thing. We'd go to these restaurants 
they wouldn't have to be the best in the world. But man, if you got a lot for your money, guys would come back. And that was my thing. Not that my product's bad, but I always wanted something to get the guys driving the trucks to stop. And I get that. I get, I'm right on a county line. So I get Tulsa County, Osage County, and there's a bunch of dirt pits around us. And so there's a lot of dump trucks running up down the road or in dumps. And them guys will stop and get a sandwich. And, and if they stop, I'll usually put a little extra meat on their sandwich because I know the first thing they're going to do when I get in that truck get on that CB and say, hey, boy, you drive through Sperry, you need to stop and get you a sandwich. You ought to see the size of these sandwiches. They don't cost a whole lot. Yep. And uh, so that's kind of what I did. And I'm one of them guys I'd rather make a little bit over a long period of time and try to make a lot in a short period of time because that's what had happened. You try to make too much and people will just say you're way overpriced. So I'll just make a little bit here and a little bit there. Well, I know your qualities there. I know you've heard me tell this story, but I'm going to tell it again. Before Levi opened his place, we came up there to eat. I don't even remember what all we got. I believe it was kind of a sampler of everything. We left. We were on the turnpike headed back Oklahoma. Sorry, back towards Oklahoma City. And one of the first things Levi said was, Dad, if my food comes out half that good, I'm going to be happy. So kudos to... A new person coming in saying that because we were, there's no doubt, we were new coming into the restaurant business. And that was his first thoughts. So I I, I get it. Yep. So I got a lot of One my other stuff thing. From, oh, go ahead. I got a lot of my stuff from Mike McMillan and Mac. I mean, they're only five or six miles down the road. You know, I, I went up there and Mike, back in the day, he, he'd let me dig through his ribs and his and his walk-in for contest ribs and his pork butts and stuff like that. And I was in and out of his restaurant a lot. You know, I've seen how he operated, and he was very successful. And, you know, I think here just a few weeks ago, they've been open 30 years. So, I mean, that's – and anybody that's in the restaurant business knows if you've been open that long, you're doing something right. And uh, I thought, no better person to learn from than – how to do, you know, just little things like paper tubs, wrapping it in 12-inch foil, and, you know, little things like that, you know, that I would have, you know, it took me, it took a lot of the trial and error out of it for me opening a restaurant, and then I leaned on Derek with Pig In, Pig Out in Wichita, and he helped me a bunch, you know, and between them two around here, they helped me a lot and took a lot of the learning curve out, which... As, and as anybody knows in the restaurant business, you take some of that learning curve out, and you're just saving yourself a ton of money, too. So That's exactly what I was going to say. The learning curve isn't necessarily just time. It's money. And yep. if you can save that on the opening, you're going to stay open longer. Yep, that's very true. Okay, uh, there's one other thing that you cooked, and it wasn't at the um, restaurant. It was at um, a cook-off. You know, we always have our Friday night supper get-togethers. Yep. Well, one morning you did something, and I don't remember exactly what you called it. it you, you, We all got a solo cup, and you made biscuits and... Oh, uh, walking walk biscuits and gravy. That's with, it. With a hash brown. I got that from Tim's shop in Wisconsin. I went up there and cooked, and he, uh, they're, they're real big up there, as you would guess. So every time you turn around, you're having a shot or a lucky beer or four, nine o'clock. You could be hoping you can sit down in your chair without falling down. 
<laughs> and uh, just one morning, and it was walking biscuits and gravy with a solo cup. And I thought, that's perfect because you ain't got to carry a plate around and all that. You just carry a cup, but you got a fork, and you just eat it out of the cup. And that's where I got it from was Tim and them up in Wisconsin. And, and I think that was at uh, Manioc That's where that was at. That's where we had that. That's kind of where I picked it up at. I thought it was a great idea, and it made like a little cheesy hash brown type deal to go in with the biscuits and gravy. And I think that whole thing is just genius, especially for yo for those of you that are listening that are running catering trailers or going to go do a fair or an event. You know, it's all important that it's got to be on a stick that people got to be able to carry it around, and that cup allowed you to have something hot for breakfast. Yep. I agree. I agree. I seen that and a light light went on and I thought, that's a freaking smart idea. Um, so is that where barbecue parfaits come from? No, I, I got that from Kelly Wirt, Four Legs Up. Kelly told me about them and, and I got to uh, make one at the store and it's just, you know, as anybody that's old enough, you just go to the Dairy Boy or whatever you had in your town and get a parfait, which was in a cup with different ice creams and layered in there so kelly told me about it and he's uh, just put beans in the bottom and then i let people have their choice of meat and it goes in the middle and then put coleslaw on top and mine's in a 16 ounce cup and, and a lot of people kind of turn their nose up at it at first anybody that tries it they just love them i got i got a tire shop that comes and they'll order three or four or five you know and they'll come a couple times a week you know and just get a barbecue parfait. I thought it was, I really like it. Outside of barbecue competitions, what's your hobbies? Uh, mainly messing with the grandkids. I mean, granddaughter shows cattle and hogs and showed goats one year. And anybody that knows me that I like to show pigs. My daughter showed show pigs and we were pretty successful with them. And, and uh, the pig deal is kind of my deal. The cattle deal, I know a little bit about, but my son-in-law's He's my son-in-law is an ag teacher, and he's a he's a little more up on the cattle deal than me. But I'm learning more and more. I was always big in ag when I was in school, and always enjoyed it. Uh, that was one thing when I got out of school. That's what I wanted to be was an ag teacher. Got to work in an oil field, got a taste of the money, and so I, uh, I was, didn't need to go to school. I just worked in the oil field. <laughs> <laughs> and then, as we all know, it's water under the bridge, and I never went to school. So, All right. A lot of people don't understand your passion for show pigs. How far have you driven just to look at a farm, just to look at uh, some pigs, or to watch a show? We're from Oklahoma, right here, center of the United States. Well, the ag teacher that Whitney had her first year, him and myself, two or three other dads would load up an ag truck and off we'd go. I conned them one year and going to Wisconsin to look at some hogs and, and that's quite a drive for five big guys and a three quarter ton <laughs> pickup and time to get it and it was leave and drive up there, look at hogs and turn around and drive right back home nonstop. But he left after the Whitney's first year ag and moved on and so the new ag teacher came, he was He's a lot younger. Talked him into going once, and he said he'd never go again. So after that, I just took it upon myself. He wasn't a Hooters guy. No, he he's a good kid. He's just he wasn't built to show animals, in my opinion. But that's just my two cents. I knew that was my daughter's way to college, and I thought that's the way I'm I'm going to get her pigs. So I got where I go by myself, and off I'd go. And you know I've. 
I've left. I'd go to northern Iowa, and I'd hit a place in Minnesota and cut back through and hit West Coxon. And I've been over into Ohio and Illinois and Indiana back home before. But I'm real good friends with some people who raise hogs in West Coxon. And Darren and Laura has always took really good care of me. And Whitney always had a always had a pretty good pretty good crop to choose from. So we did pretty good for, you know, for a person that didn't have a ton of money, but we took care of them. We fed them right. She worked worked hard to, to get them right. So you know, when you said Whitney going to college, that reminded me of something. There is not a lot of barbecue cooks that are grand champion winners that have kids that have won grand champions. Am I not? I mean, it's true. Has not Win Whitney cooked on her own and won a grand champion? Yep. She, her and Walker Clark used to cook us three doors down, and they uh, won some pulp Oklahoma one year and got to invite to cook in the American Roll and cooked in the American Roll, Kansas City. And since they were under 18, of course, Lisa went over Bart's wife to be the guardian you know, in the camp, and you know, but they was lucky enough to win. The thing about it, the like the first place trophy, and I think they won brisket that year, was a bottle of for the reserve bourbon, and they couldn't go get the trophy because they wasn't old enough. <laughs> but it was all engraved. But yeah, it was. Uh, you know, it wasn't like they, it was a weak field. I mean, I think Don and Sharon was there with Smokers Wild, Bart, myself. I want to say Mike Davis was there. Uh, I don't know if that's the year of Smoking Guns was there, but there was several good teams there, and they beat us all. We like never heard the end of it. But I was just fixing to ask that. <laughs> so, yeah, Bart was giving them crap, told them the brisket was horrible, and he was going to whip them, and they wanted brisket. Bart swore the reps got boxes mixed up, and that was his. But anyway, they come out on top. Uh, that was pretty neat to being a dad and getting to see that, you know, especially kids that were, you know, 14, 15 years old at the most. Walker might have been 16, but, you know, Whitney's a year or two younger than Walker. So it just goes to show the kids pay more attention to what you think. Oh, yeah. Well, we're at a point in this podcast where I'm known for grabbing one of my injection needles out of the um, wholesale. I'm going to inject you with a Butcher Barbecue Truth Serum. All right. I'm going to ask you a question. You have to answer the, tr- answer the truth. Okay. When you hear your favorite song play and you are forced to make a choice, would you dance to it or would you sing along to it? Uh, sing along. Yeah. What's your favorite song, by the way? Oh, probably In Spite of Ourselves by John Prine and Eris DeMint, which he just A passed. genre I wouldn't have expected. All right. Another one. Name the worst topping for a pizza. Pineapple. Worst topping for a burger. Ketchup. The worst topping for ice cream. Nuts. <laughs> the worst topping for a baked potato. Uh, cheese. Oh, one of the most common. I got time for one more. If someone wrote a story about you, would you be a hero, a villain, or a lover? Oh, you didn't have my choice on there, but... Okay, what is your choice? A good guy. (laughs) A cowboy? Yeah. Uh, A good guy. (laughs) Well, Donnie, that's all I got. I really appreciate your time for letting me call and talk. Tell everybody where they can follow you, stay up with you, where your restaurant is, everything. Uh, Follow me on Facebook under Donnie Till or 
Buffalo's Barbecue. I don't put a lot of my business deals, pretty much business. My personal is pretty much personal. Uh, Twitter, Donnie Teal. Uh, I don't post, tweet a lot. I read it. I keep up with, mainly with sports on there. Uh, my restaurant's in Sperry, Oklahoma. Daylight Donut Shop parking lot. Monday to Friday, eight to five or eight to or eleven to six, five days a week. Uh, if I'm open or closed, it's always on the answering machine. Uh, if it's during cooking season, you might want to call on a Friday before you drive out just to make sure I'm there. All right, that reminded me of something I have not brought up, and I want to throw this out there real quick. Your answering machine, okay? Anybody that calls you will need phone. to be on their toes. Yeah, that's my cell Exactly. Yeah. How did yeah. you come up with this idea of doing this crazy? Tell everybody what it is first. Oh, I just answer the phone and act like I'm at the Sonic and saying I can't hear you. I place my order with the Sonic person and I get back with you and I say, all right, go ahead. And of course, people start talking and I say, ah, got you. Leave a message and people start calling me choice names and, and, <laughs> Yada, 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 or they'll call back and want to listen to it again or, or send me a text and might have a middle finger flied up or something like that. And, uh, it's just something to keep everybody on their toes and never know what you're going to get from one day to the next. I like <laughs> that. Kind of like what's his name always said, life's like a box of chocolate. You never know what's, <laughs> what's in there. So That's right. And we're going to leave those fine words right there. Donnie, thanks a lot. I appreciate you, David. Thanks for having me on. And have a good weekend and be safe. Yeah, you bet. Hey, everybody, make sure you listen into this podcast, like it, and go look up Buffalo's Barbecue. Smash that subscribe button and be ready for Butcher's next podcast.